Siobhan, some spectacular results. What, what, you, what have you just announced? Tell us about it. Thanks, Paul. Well, actually, they really were spectacular. Um, we uh, had a result which uh, was half a metre at almost 10% uranium, which is really unheard of. I, I can't think of a single Australian company that would have reported those grades in uranium before. Um, and just to give you context, 10% uh, uranium is almost equivalent to 100,000 ppm. So these are huge grades. What that tells us is the system that we've got at Gemini has the ability to host super high-grade uranium. Um, so that's really important for the discovery that we've got um, and, and really exciting for the discovery as well. Um, the other thing, the other, the other results that we've, we've been reporting, we did a lot of exploration drilling away from the main mineralized zone and we reported uh, some fantastic results 280 metres north which were very similar to the Gemini discovery hole. Um, so when we first discovered Gemini, um, we, we hit 0.12% uranium. So these holes have very similar grades within them. It tells us that we're possibly very close to a very decent zone of uranium there. So that's exciting. We'll be definitely following up on that target. And then I'm really excited by the Dravite, which is up in the northern area. So that's about a kilometre north from well, the... Well, dravite is a uh, well. I, I'm not a geologist, so I can't get too well, into it. But that, that, that's, that's a blessing. <laughs> well, a blessing and a curse. It makes me dangerous because I know enough to be dangerous with this. But anyway, the dravite is um, is basically uh, associated with unconformity related deposits. So there's some big deposits in the Athabasca Basin that have dravite in them, including Macarthur River, Cigar Lake. And of course, the arrow deposits. So these are all massive deposits which have um, dravite. You really only find dravite closely associated with one of these types of deposits. So it tells us that we're probably near to hitting um, some more uranium up in the north. The other exciting thing in that northern area is we're actually on the edge of the Athabasca Basin. So you know, we could step over 100 metres, we're in sandstone suddenly, so it changes the whole profile of the ability for us to sort of go from drilling basement-hosted uranium to unconformity-style uranium. So that's similar to use Cigar Lakes and MacArthur Rivers. So it's exciting stuff. So let's go back a step so people can follow this. Um, <laughs> you've got this discovery, Gemini, yes, yes. and these results are obviously spectacular, right off the scale by anything in Australia. Yeah. The question is, what, what, what have you got at Gemini that you know you've got Build a, paint a picture in people's minds of, of the length, the width, the size, the location. Yeah, sure. So the mineralized zone that we've been drilling um, in the southern part of uh, the Gemini zone area, uh, you know, is a near surface um, potential for open pit uranium discovery. Um, it's, got, it's got some nice grades throughout, um, some nice thick intersections which hang together, um, you know, up to 42 metres um, and more of uranium hanging together. So that's a really nice zone. What we were really trying to get out of this whole program that we've just drilled is to say, hey, we've got this zone, but we think there's more. And that's the, that's the crux of it, isn't it? That's the crux you, of it. You know you've got a good, a good uh, yeah. outline of uh, the deposit, yeah. but how big is it? Exactly, exactly. So this is this was all about scale and proving that there's potential for this pearls on a string scenario that you find in many of these Athabasca Basin uh, uranium deposits. So, for example, MacArthur River has pearls on a string. 
Um, you look at Rabbit Lake, which is very similar to the profile of um, of the Gemini discovery. Now that's got two hundred odd million pounds in it, Rabbit Lake, and that's a series of zones as well. So, so that's kind of the theory that we're taking with Gemini that there's a series of zones, and I think what we've demonstrated with this, uh, you know, preliminary exploration drilling that we've done is that all the way up along the north, there's massive amounts of alteration, there's massive amounts of structure, there's uranium in there, there's possibly several more zones of uranium within that area. And that's only on the eastern side of the trend that we've got. We've also got a western trend, which we haven't even touched. So really, we're just scratching the edge of how big this discovery potentially is. So you've got, you've got a good discovery. It looks like it's going to grow significantly. It's just a question of how big it is. Yeah. But isn't there also a question here of timing? Everything in business is about timing. Your timing looks pretty good, doesn't it? Uranium market seems to, uh, this is a horrible pun, but it looks like it's about to explode. <laughs> yeah, look, I think the uranium market is really going to have its day in the sun. Best fundamentals in 30 years, according to all market experts. The spot market's super tight. So you would have seen that there was a 6% movement in the spot price the other day. Um, and that was really with a small amount of uranium that went through the market. So we're now sitting at a $54 per pound price. You're seeing Cameco contracting. Uh, the flaws of those contracts have significantly increased and then they've got some really good ceiling prices attached to those as well. Um, and you're seeing a market where they're not even, the utilities aren't even at full replacement rate. So huge amount of contracting occurring without full replacement rate tells us that at some point when that replacement rate happens, there's going to be a massive, a massive amount of... Uh, it's a very cyclical industry. Yeah. Like a cyclical commodity. And it's been in the doldrums for a long time. And what we all know about all commodities, of course, is that the, uh, the, the, the darker the downturn, uh, or the deeper the downturn, rather, the, uh, the better the upturn. And this is, uranium has been out of favour for a long time, hasn't it? So presumably little or no investment in new capacity, and that's what we're beginning to see. Yeah, I mean, there's a 10-year lack of investment in exploration and development. So really, the only new mine that has been built in all of these years is uh, the Husab uranium mine in Namibia. So you've got 10 years of no new mines. Now we've got new mines coming back on in Australia, which is very exciting. We've got Boss, their mine is about to restart. Um, you're seeing Paladin's restart of Langer Heimrich, which is very exciting, and MacArthur River, of course, re restarting. Now these are all signals that the market is moving in the right direction. They're turning on supply because they know they're gonna be able to get the contracting that uh, you know meets the price um, and their cost of production, so well, that's, that's exciting. That's the supply side of the equation, but on the demand side, there's a lot of other really interesting factors at play, isn't it? Not least of all Russia and the Ukraine situation. Yeah, on the demand side, I mean, what's happened on the demand side is all the governments around the world have turned effectively pro-nuclear. Um, I, I, I will say there is an exception there, um, and that would be Germany and Australia, but the rest of the world has turned really pro-nuclear. Um, you've seen uh, the U Europe uh, classified uh, uranium or nuclear as part of the green taxonomy. You're seeing uh, it classified as green all around the world in the US, in Canada. Um, so, and, and then you're seeing extensions of nuclear power plants, so uh, particularly in Japan, they've just extended their nuclear power plants. They're restarting all their power plants there. And of course, that's where the nuclear, uh, the Fukushima disaster occurred. So they're switching back on. 
And they're even going down the track of building new uh, nuclear-powered... Why? Why are these countries saying we want more nuclear power? Well, there's two main reasons. Uh, the first reason is security of supply. So, um, of energy supply. Of energy supply, right? Um, and the second real reason is it's, it's solid baseload energy um, which doesn't emit carbon. So it's a perfect solution if a country wants to decarbonise. Um, and, and so this is really, you're seeing this trend um, in Poland, for example, they're going on nuclear. India, uh, China, all around the world, massive nuclear builds. Except for Australia. Except for Australia. So Australia says we want to reduce carbon. We've committed to these big reductions in CO2 emissions. We've clearly got a big energy problem, particularly on the East Coast, mm. both in terms of power prices and availability. But Australia says no to nuclear power and virtually the rest of the world is saying yes to nuclear power. Exactly. So, so but the good news for, for the likes of 92 Energy is this means higher prices, more incentive, better returns on discovery, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing short-term movements in the uranium price, mid-term movements in the uranium price and long-term movements in the uranium price. So really, you're, you're really starting to see it flow through um, all the way through the cycle. So it's a, it's a very exciting time for the market. In fact, it's far more exciting than the last cycle, um, uh, which I was involved in. So, you know, I it's it's a great to be part of it. It's a feel-good industry as well because we really are helping the world to achieve its goals of decarbonisation. Now, you're off to Palm Springs. Presumably there's no uranium to be found in Palm Springs. What are you doing? So I'm actually going to an investor conference. Canaccord holds an investor conference every year. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is uh, there's a lot of um, sophisticated investors that will be attending that, um, institutional investors and high net worth individuals. Um, and I've got a very full schedule. So, um, Playing golf. Well, that, that sort of there will be a bit of golf, but there's also, uh, you know, the 14 one-on-one -on -one meetings that we have over the period of two days. I'll be talking on a panel as well um, with some other uranium companies. And it's a really good opportunity to meet with the North American uranium companies because obviously I'm operating in that jurisdiction. So it's going to be an exciting conference, followed up, of course, by your conference, the Resources Rising Stars Conference. So I'm looking forward to speaking at that so as well. So you'll be going to both the Rising Stars Conference and the Palm Springs Conference with a fair tailwind, won't you? You've got some great results, a rising uh, price for your product and uranium, it's got to be a much better time than it was a year ago when you travelled. Yeah, look, I mean, 10% uranium assay results um, are just so outstanding. You're going to get a lot of attention from that. Um, and really, the scale is so exciting in relation to this system. You know, I'm, I'm so excited about this discovery. It's a great time to be out there promoting it. And um, I'm sure our story is going to resonate very well with everyone. Now, there's been a fair bit of M&A across the board in the resources sector of late, hasn't there? You've seen... Yeah, the, the, obviously the lithium sectors are washed with it, a bit of it in gold and copper, BHP taking Oz, of course. We haven't really seen much yet in the uranium space. Do you think that could be on the cards? Look, Is 90 to a target? <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I think there's always consolidation in various different industries. Um, uh, you, you certainly saw that during the last cycle. Um uh, with a lot of big players uh, very interested in in purchasing good, solid assets. Um, and I'm sure that will happen this cycle, um, particularly in jurisdictions which are very good uranium jurisdictions, such as the Athabasca Basin. There's obviously a lot of small companies, so a lot of room for consolidation. 
And potentially there's, uh, you know, new entrants looking to get into the Athabasca Basin so they don't have a presence there. So, um, yeah, sure, there, I think there's going to be a bit of an M&A cycle coming, coming in the How uranium space. How you come space. to be around this uranium game? I mean, you talk about the last cycle. You, you, you've been doing this for a while, haven't you? Yeah, look, um, you know, I was an M&A lawyer <laughs> many, many eons ago and wanted to get into the resources sector. It's and about, about being a geologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get into the resources sector and there was a, a job going for a uranium exploration company. So I thought that was a very good opportunity. I started working with them. And then, of course, Extract Resources, who uh, had the HUSAB uranium project, were looking for a company secretary with M&A experience. So I had both, you know, uranium experience and M&A experience. Um, and despite my age, it made me a good sort of option for that role. Uh, so that was a brilliant opportunity. Of course, um, we exited uh, Extract for $2.2 billion. We sold that to um, wow. CGMPC. Um, that was a tremendous asset in Namibia. Um, and, you know, I'm very hopeful that 92E is uh, Extract times two. Be great. Well, it's obviously an exciting time for you, to say the least, and for the company and the shareholders. But with some uh, the results you're armed with now, the tailwind, as we say, from the uranium price, you're heading off on your journey with some uh, some great things to talk about. So it's been fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we look forward to seeing where the journey goes to. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the Gold Coast for the Rising Stars Conference in a week or two's time. Thanks very much.